All right. Good morning. Good morning. Am I? Can you? You can hear me. I can hear myself. So yes, I'm sure you can hear me. Uh, how's everyone this morning? Good. Good. Great answer. Um, God is good. Amen. Amen. All the time. God is good. And all the time, amen, it's like being back in Africa. Are you coming to join me? <laughs> Colin is giving me space. <laughs> so I must use it. Yeah, Colin's created all this space. I must use it. Um, as Colin said, my name is Nick. I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway, and it's my, uh, my pleasure and my privilege to be sharing with you this morning. Um, I'm continuing in our series entitled The Stone That Became a Mountain. And really, it's, you know, we're talking about the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, we did a series a little while back from Daniel. Uh, we went through all, you know, the books of Daniel. And in Daniel 2, chapter 44, it says that in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. And that's the kingdom of God. So our series is looking at the kingdom of God, looking at Christ declaring the coming of the kingdom of God. And indeed, the kingdom of God continuing to come amongst us. Amen? Amen. And this started, this series sort of was birthed when as an eldership team, we went away um, you know, to, to pray and, and wait on God. And, and God started to change our focus because our focus was very much on the church, on Gateway Church, and rightly so. You know, and, and God's church. And then God just started to change our focus and, and, and you know, started to stay our focus more to his kingdom, which is beyond the church. It's, it's about the kingdom of God coming in every aspect of the lives of his people, in every aspect of our lives, as his children placed in a world where people are in need of good news. People are in need of freedom. People are in need of healing. And people are in need of deliverance. And so God has stirred our hearts, and so we've been um, going through this series, and, and this will continue for uh, a little while longer, talking about the kingdom. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, and I'll, I'll, I'll come on to scripture, and I'll set it all out in a minute. Uh, I haven't started yet, so technically my time hasn't started. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus announced that the kingdom had come near. Jesus announced that the kingdom of God had come. And there were many and varied demonstrations of the proximity of the kingdom. Jesus demonstrated this. And then he commissioned us to go and do likewise. And in John chapter 14 verse 12, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. Amen? Amen. So that's just uh, some context, some background. Uh, scripture for today is uh, similar to what Donna read last week, although Donna picked it out from Isaiah. Um, this is Jesus reading the scripture in Isaiah or part of it. So Luke 4, chapter 16, uh, Luke 4, verse 16 to 19, says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Everybody say, as was his custom. As was his custom. 
So Jesus was not just born and suddenly, you know, um, hit the road and Messiah and all that stuff. Yeah, we start to get an indication um, as we read through this and we cover an aspect of what I want to talk about that actually, you know, there was a custom here. Amen? He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's something to get excited about, amen? Yeah? That's a fantastic scripture because therein, okay, I've started now, therein Jesus stands and he declares with boldness. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to da, 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 da. What confidence, what boldness to declare that actually God's spirit is upon me and with a certainty to recognize that the spirit of God is upon, well, was upon him. If you are a believer here this morning, and I am one, and I can say with all boldness that the spirit of the living God is within me. Do I have any, anyone that's, can anyone share that with me? Can anyone say that the spirit of the Lord is within me here? Yes. Amen. Only a few hands. So there are three things I want to cover this morning. I want to understand, I want to help us understand the context of this statement and what led up to it. I then want us to understand the implication for one element of this proclamation from that scripture, just one element I'll be picking out. Um, Donna talked about the good news for the poor. And Donna talked about the work in Burundi and how God was breaking through. And I don't know about you, but at the start of the films, sorry, the pictures she showed last week, I saw very sad, disillusioned, dejected, children and my heart was but at the end the film she showed at the end I saw beautiful vibrant radiant smiling happy children for me that's that's that just I said wow those are beautiful people look at those beautiful people there was a glory upon them that's the good news of the gospel coming in that situation amen So, understand the implications for one element of that proclamation. And then the third thing is to talk about how we can live in the fullness of what Jesus has said. But I just want to take a step back. So, Jesus started by declaring that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he declared that this was for a purpose. And he described the purpose. Essentially, what Jesus was saying was, all those things that Jesus described were the kingdom of God coming. And how did Jesus find himself in this position, to declare with boldness that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. What, what, what led up to it? Um, in preparation for this, I did a chrono, chrono, chronological review, that word. Chronological review of the Bible, meaning I reviewed the Bible in sequence of events, and in the, in the order of events that happened. And this started with Jesus being baptized. So Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And the Bible says, and the spirit descended on him. And there was a voice that said, this is my son. 
And Jesus, who here thinks Jesus had to be baptized? Theologically, oh, should I put up my hands? No, I mean, theology is, is actually the son of God. He is God. We know he's God. Did he have to be baptized? Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness. John did not want to baptize him. He said, you, know, I should, you should be baptizing me. But he said to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was baptized in obedience. And the Bible says that he left, if you read through the scriptures, he left the Jordan full of the Spirit. The Bible then says the next sequence of events was that Jesus was then led by the Spirit. The Bible says he was led by the Spirit to the desert to be tempted. Being led by someone implies that you follow. So Jesus being led by the Spirit meant that Jesus followed the Spirit. And Sandra, thank you for coming to share that testimony. And I was, I was blown away when you said, well, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I was surprised that the Spirit led me to come and share this this morning. Well done for being obedient to the leading of the spirit because that's how the body gets built up and encouraged and that's how the kingdom comes when philip was led by the spirit to preach to the eunuch the kingdom came when cornelius was led was led by the spirit to go and ask for peter and peter was led by the spirit to preach to cornelius though he was not a jew salvation came to the gentiles at that point So Jesus was led by the Spirit, obeyed the Spirit, and followed the leading of the Spirit to the desert. He was then tempted in the desert, and then he resisted temptation. And then at the end of that passage of Scripture, all the Gospels describe Jesus as returning in the power of the Spirit. And then Jesus goes and makes this statement in Luke chapter 4, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. So we see that there was, a, there was obedience, there was the following of the Spirit, and there was the resisting of temptation that preceded that anointing, you know, the, the fullness of the power of the Spirit. And Jesus was a man. He was God, but he was also man. And the Bible tells us that he was anointed by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So Luke is the only gospel that gives this account of Jesus making that statement. But all the, all the other Gospels are aligned in their account in terms of the sequence of events. For example, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, i.e., from the time of coming out of the desert in the power of the Spirit, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, quoting, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 37 to 38, Luke once again writes, You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. So what's what's my point here? My very first point, and I'll move on very quickly, is that actually the coming of the kingdom is predicated, is preceded by the power of the Spirit. So as we seek to bring the kingdom in our lives, as as we pray to let the kingdom come, we need to recognize the importance of the work of the Spirit. We need to recognize and know God's word. 
That's the truth. Uh, we need to recognize and know the need to follow God's leading and God's you know, word in obedience. And finally, we need to resist the temptation to sin, to win over sin. But this is only possible because of what Jesus has done for us. The verse that I'm focusing on today is, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. So Jesus declared that he had been anointed and he had been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. What, what, freedom, who are, who are the prisoners? Yeah, what's God describing, you know, what's the scripture describing as, who is Jesus describing as prisoners? Actually, God. Who are prisoners? Who are those who are held captive? Anyone want to suggest uh, an answer? Sinners, thank you, amen. Absolutely right, 100%, spot on. Because we are prisoners without being set free by Jesus, we are all prisoners, we're born prisoners, we're held captive to sin. We cannot break free, we cannot walk free, we are naturally, inherently, completely, totally bound by sin. And so Jesus came to declare freedom to those who are held captive by the power of sin. Amen. Amen. See, when God's kingdom comes, when God's kingdom comes, rather, people get freed from being slaves to sin. And they come into the freedom of being able to live lives that glorify God. And so when Jesus declares that, and I believe in this place this morning, there are people here, or one person, even if only one person, there's one person who needs to hear this message. That Jesus has come to set you free from sin. There is somebody in this room who has never committed their lives to Jesus. You've never given your lives to Jesus. You've never said that prayer. You've never accepted him as your Lord and your Savior. And you might have just walked in off the street per chance. And, or or you're, you know, somebody might have invited you. Or actually, you just wandered in here. And I'm just saying this, and you're, this is resonating with you. You've come here to hear this. That Jesus has set you free from sin. And from the consequences of sin, which is eternal death. And, and this is the greatest miracle. Not the healings. Though they're spectacular, not the you know, raising of Jairus' daughter, not the calling forth of Lazarus. The greatest miracle is that people come out of darkness into light. So the reality is, once Jesus has said it, actually it's done. Yeah? We are legally and positionally free from sin. I am, I'm free from sin. I am no longer bound to sin. I no longer have to obey sin. I no longer have to do what sin tells me to do. I am no longer a slave to sin. We can say no to sin because now we actually have the power to do so. This is good news, right? This is in, indeed good news. But we need to choose to walk in that freedom. Because you can, 
You can be set free, but actually you can choose to bind yourself again, as it were. Once you're saved, and you're born again, and your salvation is sure, and you're going to heaven, and eternity is sorted out, you can still choose, however, to bind yourself again as one that, although being free, is a slave to sin now. It's like my, my sons. My sons are my sons, right? Yeah, regardless of what they do, they are my sons. They're not here, so they can't hear this. I can say anything really, actually, can I? But regardless of what, I, what they do, I can't take away the fact that they are my sons. They're my kids, they're my children, right? Make sense? Regardless of what we do, when we're saved and born again and you know, we're, we're declared free from sin, we are. And regardless of what we do, we're children of God. But actually, we can choose to live differently to that. And it's actually not very comfortable for us. Because along with that comes conviction and comes unease and comes a break in relationship because my sons, using that example, need to have relationship with me, right? And what does sin do? Sin breaks that relationship and communion. So we're still God's kids. We're still his children. But we don't benefit and enjoy the freedom that is won for us. So we need to choose to walk in that freedom. If we uh, look at Romans 6, verse 15 to 18. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Excuse me. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Amen? Amen. But the first part says, whomever you choose to obey. So we can choose to obey sin. Jesus could have chosen to obey the temptation to make the rock bread when he was tempted in the day. And I actually asked myself, what was the point? I mean, what, what was really bad about Jesus just saying, well, I'll make that bread into, you know, that stone into bread and, and I'll eat it. It was about actually succumbing. It was about giving up on his purpose, on what God had for him. You see, does our sin, does when we sin, does that take God by surprise? Sorry? No. No. Yeah? I mean, God is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, omnipresent. It, it doesn't take God by surprise. God knows. And, and this is why he has made provision for us to confess our sins and walk, continue to walk in freedom. So when Jesus says, when he says to declare freedom to the prisoners, the gates were open. 
the jail gates were flung open and we choose to walk out and we choose to continue to walk in it. But there are people who don't know Jesus and actually they don't have a choice because they remain slaves to sin. So this is the good news of the kingdom. This is what we can share with people. We can say that actually we are free from sin. We are free from being slaves to sin. We, are, we have been transformed. So when... It's important to walk in that freedom, isn't it? And that's why it's important to keep a short account. And our response this morning, and and I'll be the first one, is actually to come back to God and say, you know, there are things that I have done that I shouldn't have done. There are things that I haven't done and I should have done. And any, when, we don't, when we do anything that's not God's will, that's counted as sin. And the Bible says when we know what we ought to do but do it not, that is sin unto us individually. And so the good news is we've been set free from sin. The greatest news is that actually we can work, walk in that freedom by coming to him, celebrating that freedom that he has born for us and keeping a short account in terms of Sin and getting rid of it, being ruthless with those things that would hinder us. Is that easy? No. I come back to where I started. At the very beginning of that scripture, Jesus said, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian in this place, the spirit of God is within you because he is tasked and his his power is there to enable you to walk free, to walk in freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, i.e. you are free. It's very quiet in here. It's So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon, was upon Jesus because he had been anointed to preach good news to the poor. He had been anointed to declare freedom to the captives. And that freedom has been declared to us. But if you're, if you're sitting there in, this, in the, one of those chairs and actually you, you're in a place where you don't know freedom, you can't say you know freedom. You can't know that you've been set free from sin and there's something that just keeps dragging you and pulling you back if you're a child of God I want to declare to you this morning that you can walk free and you can keep walking free you are free but you can walk in that freedom and if you have not given your life to 
Jesus, if you've not recognized this before and you've not said, Jesus, I, I accept that sacrifice, I repent of my sins, I ask you to come into my life and I ask you to fill me with your spirit and, I'm, and I declare that you are Lord of my life, you have an opportunity this morning. You have an opportunity to to see the kingdom of God come in your lives. How many of us want to see the kingdom of God come in our lives? How many of us want to see the truth of what Jesus spoke come in our lives? One, two, three, four. How many of us want to see healing take place? How many of us want to see deliverance of people take place? How many of us want to see the blind spiritually and physically see? How many of us want to see those that are cast down, those that are struck down, raised up? How many of us want to see those sad faces transformed into bright, happy, joyful faces? That is the kingdom. That is what the kingdom will bring in and through our lives. But it takes you and I. It takes you and I being filled with the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, recognizing that we are free, that we have freedom. And so when sin comes along, we say, actually, no, no, I don't have time for that. I can't be bothered with that. I am above that. There are more important things to be getting on with than that. And then we, as we do that, as we are led by the Spirit, as we obey God, as we resist temptation, we are increasingly filled with the power of his spirit. And then his kingdom comes. So when I say, brother, walk free from sin, sister, walk free from sin, it's not about God. It's about you. And it's about the power of God working through you. And it's about you walking in the freedom that you already have. And then his kingdom comes. Church, the call is that we are in your lives. I want to declare over you that in your lives, in your workplace, in your relationships, at the school gates, with your neighbors, as you travel, whatever your job is, wherever you go, and if you, if you don't work, wherever you associate with people, in your small groups, may his kingdom come. May the power of God be made available by his spirit wherever you go. Wow. If I was sitting there, I'd be saying, Amen. So, what I'd like us to do in terms of, by way of response, is two things. One, I'd like us to, to take some time and, just, you know, just individually. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like us to, and me inclusive, think about, right, where is it? What are those things? And the Holy Spirit will tell you now and will remind you, and you probably already know. I think there are things that we will say individually have, have been things that we have done or not done. There is sin, they're, they're inevitably. If anyone says that you know, they've not sinned in, in any way, then, um, okay. So, <laughs> I, I feel let's do some business with God this morning. Let's take those things to God. Let's repent, genuinely repent before him on those things. Let's 
proclaim again our freedom to walk away from sin. Let's invite, after that, let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us again. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and empower us again, to come and help us walk in the reality of that freedom. And then we'll take communion. How does that sound? We're just going to take a few minutes. We're just going to pray. Just wherever you are, The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, we are those who are free. We enjoy a state of freedom, an identity of freedom. Father Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your your power at work in our lives, oh God. I want to thank you, Lord, for that freedom has been declared upon us and indeed we are free. For whom you set free, Lord, is free indeed. We are no longer to be bound again or to be held captive to sin. And Father, Lord, where we have walked, where I have walked, Lord, astray, where I've not, I've, I've heard your voice and walked the other way, Lord, where I've known something to do and not done it, or I've done something I've known not to do. Father, Lord, I just, Father, repent before you and ask for your forgiveness. And Father, your children in this place, we come to you this morning, O God, and we say, Father, Lord, we confess our sins, O God. We confess those those things that that we have done, those things that beset us, O God. And we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We know that we are they that are forgiven. We are already forgiven. The atonement for our sin has already been paid. But now, oh God, all those things that would hinder our walk with you, all those things, Lord, that would cause a distraction, oh God, all those things that would bring guilt, oh God, that would bring conviction. And I dare say sometimes condemnation, and there is no condemnation for they that are in Christ Jesus. Father, Lord, all those things that would create a wedge relationally. Father, we confess now, oh God. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are those who are set free. I'd like to invite the band. I just want us to worship and, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you in, in this place. As we stand, as we worship again, let's invite the, the Holy Spirit to come and fill us anew. If you want, if you'd like prayer, if you want one of us to pray for you, uh, please come to the front. If, if you are in this place and you do not yet know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'd like to invite you as well. Come out as we worship and let, 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 us, let us pray with you. And if you need prayer for anything else, if you need prayer, if if you'd like prayer, if you'd like us to pray with you, I'd like to invite you out as we worship. Amen.